Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Good morning, everyone. So great to be back in church again on Sunday. Um, just love, love being in church. Love just um, seeing everybody fellowship, having coffee together. Um, and I'm so excited about today. I'm excited about what God is doing in our church this year. Um, and um, man, it's going to be a phenomenal year. Now, we actually just finished a sermon series called Raising the Barn. It's a prophetic sermon series that we've done in the first three weeks of the, of the year. And, um, and, and it's amazing what word God gave us for the, for the year coming. And, and I was preparing this week and I said, Lord, what do you want us to follow up with after this amazing prophetic word of growth, increase, momentum? And, and God started speaking to me about the lifestyle that we live as, as Christian believers. And I want to start a new series that I want to title The Upward Lifestyle. Now looking at this theme, <laughs> you might be thinking, wow, this looks like a pr prosperity message, Henny. And you know what? Yes, you are right. It is. But not prosperity like, like one would think, but prosperity of the Spirit. Now if we refer to the lifestyle of someone what do we actually mean by it? You see, most people think lifestyle is the car I drive, the house I live in, um, or the estate my house is in. But it is not just that. Now, let's quickly go and look at the normal definition of a lifestyle in the dictionary. And it says the following. It's very interesting. It says, the lifestyle of a particular person or group of people is the living conditions, the behaviors, and the habits that are typical of them or are chosen by them. That was so significant when I read that. It's not just the normal living condition, the behavior, but it is something that we choose on a regular daily basis that depicts our lifestyle. How is your lifestyle? What lifestyle are you living? And I'm not just talking about the physical stuff we own. I'm talking about our spiritual lifestyle. See, lifestyle is more behavior and habits um, than what we own with this sermon series. I want us to look at the spiritual man. Now I went and I googled, actually I googled the word lifestyle and I came across this very interesting article about the importance of a lifestyle. The importance of a life. I mean that, that was amazing. How many of us do that? You just don't understand something. I want to get a broader understanding of something and, and I just go and google it and I actually came across this amazing um, article about lifestyle and about the power of lifestyle. Now, this article um, actually was a report that more than 600,000 people in America alone receive heart bypass surgeries on a yearly basis. Now, that's quite shocking. Now, if you look at how big America alone is, 600,000 is not a lot. But it's still a lot if you think of that's how many people have to get heart bypass surgery. Now, after this procedure, the doctor usually go to the to the patient and said, listen, I want you to know that this was not a, a fix it all. This was not a quick, fig, a quick fix. This was just a, a temporary fix, if I can use that word. But he says, but the most important thing that you have to look at and what you have to focus on is you need to change your lifestyle to make sure you keep on living a full life. So you must quit smoking, you must quit drinking, you must exercise daily, you must reduce your stress. That was the doctor's advice. And if I can sum it up in a few words, the doctor actually said to the patient, you need to change or die. 
<laughs> that's quite harsh if you look at it. But that's exactly what he said. If you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't change the, the reason you got here in the first place, you are just going to continue on the same slippery slope down until you pass away. Now the shocking thing about this article for me was, was if you look at the statistics after this operation, after that conversation that the doctor had with him, 90% of people just continue on with the same lifestyle that they lived. I mean, that's just ridiculous. With no care, no worry that if, my, if, I've gonna, if I am going to have a full life or not. But did you know that almost the same as, as a normal lifestyle, we as Christians have spiritual lifestyles. And that's what I want to speak about in this um, sermon series. I want to speak about the spiritual lifestyle that we have. We have to live an upward lifestyle. Now, so many believers know the truth. They know the truth. They know God. They, they've been serving the Lord for years and they've been sitting in church for years. And, and they, they know that they are in Christ. But they still haven't really operated in such a lifestyle of power. And that's what we were created for. It's almost like the words that we all have known and heard for the last couple of weeks. And if you know UFC, the words was, they don't know what we know. Come on, South Africa. Hello, weet nie wat ons weet they don't know. I, I've, I've saw this, this funny video this week of a guy actually made a recording. And he says, listen, I mean, everybody is saying we don't know what they know. And, but I don't even know. I live in South Africa. That was so funny. But you know, as Christians, we know what people don't know. We know that when we live a lifestyle that is, that's glorifying God, there is something in us, something from within us that can bring an impact and a change and a generation and a nation no matter where we are and what we do, God has imparted, has, has gave us in our DNA, gave us something that can make a supernatural change wherever we go. See, we can't be in church and be a Christian believer and not know the truth of the upwards lifestyle that Jesus gave us. We can't. Now, Paul summarizes this quite beautifully. And, and I want to use a scripture out of Philippians and it's almost like our theme scripture for the series. That's out of Philippians 3, verse 13 to 15. And I'm reading in the Amplified Version. He says the following. Brothers and sisters, do not consider that I have made it my own yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upwards call of God in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature pursuing spiritual perfection should have this attitude. What a beautiful scripture. You see, Paul comes and he says, he doesn't really care about anything that happened in his life before he met Christ. I mean, now listen, we're talking about Paul. This is a guy who murdered Christians, murdered the new covenant believers because of the passion he had for the Jewish law. You see, he just lives with one goal at mind. That is living the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And knowing that call is like winning a prize. That is amazing. He said, Paul says, listen, you need to know, you need to realize that we have an upward call, an upward lifestyle that God has called us towards. Now as Christians, Paul pleads with us not just to continue living the same lifestyle as before we knew Christ. Come on, that's so easy. But he says that there is something better that we need to step into. And we need to know that. You see, if we look at the Old Testament, and, and, and there's a story that, 
that, that I've read so many times. And you go to 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you read the story of, of in, in the days of the prophet Elijah. And there was a company of men that they called the sons of the prophets. And these men, they traveled all over. And what did they do? They pushed back darkness and they shined the light of God on earth. They took on unrighteous kings and they turned them to ways of righteousness. I mean, these guys were amazing. They raised the dead, they healed the sick, they parted rivers, and they destroyed false prophets. Wherever they went, something incredible happens. You see, they saw revival spread wherever they went. Can we say that today when we look at our lives? That wherever we go, we spread revival? That we see the dead raised and the, the sick healed and, and rivers being parted? Not really. But that is part of our DNA and part of our calling. And let me prove that to you today. You see, because of that, because of what these guys have done, they were feared by many. They were respected by, by, by all of them. And you know, these sons of the prophets, they walked in great purity. Why? Because they were friends of God. Amazing men. Now, if you look at the world today, and we, I mean, you, you can't just open the newspaper and look at the news on TV without seeing that our world is getting more wicked day by day. And the wickedness has continued to grow. Just open the series, the movies, whatever we look at social media and you can see wickedness are growing. So many of our, the lives of people we love are being destroyed. Our country is being destroyed because of this. If you look at um, statistics, Satanism is spreading all over, all over, without us even knowing it. Psychics laugh in the face of, of the church why? Because they demonstrate the power of darkness while the church is doing nothing. You see, I, I, I work with a lot of couples on a weekly basis. And, and, and I can tell you that the divorce rates are going up rapidly in our country. Not only in our country, but worldwide. Violence in children is getting out of hand. And above that, many people are dying with diseases that is even man-made today. But if you look at the Bible... Man, the words of Jesus echoes into every one of our futures. There's two scriptures. Mark 16 verse 17. Jesus says, These signs will accompany those who believe. John 14 verse 12 says, And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We all know the scriptures. And that's what Jesus says. He says, Don't miss the lifestyle you are supposed to live by looking at all the worldly issues around us. And there's many of those. There's many of them. I mean, you don't even have to look far. If we look at the day the church was birthed in the book of Acts, the Apostle Peter said something. I mean, you remember, the Holy Spirit was poured out. These guys were radically filled with the Spirit, with power. They started speaking in tongues, and everybody could understand them. And Peter stood up, and he started preaching a powerful sermon. Powerful. And he says something in Acts 3, verse 24 to 25. He says the following, he says, All the prophets from Samuel to those who follow have also foretold, foretold of these days. But then he says, he says, You are the sons of the prophets. Now talking, he's talking about the new covenant believers. He's talking about everybody in Jerusalem at that moment. That was a long time after the, the, the times of Elijah and the sons of the prophets. And yet, here Peter comes and he says, You are the sons of the prophets. So in that moment, in that Holy Spirit bliss moment that they experienced, Peter calls that generation, but also this generation, us, 
He calls us the sons of the prophets. Now, I believe we are still living in that theme, in that time. We're still living in that time. We haven't missed it yet. The body of Christ have to take up their inheritance. Come on, this is time, church. This is a time where we need to take up our inheritance that God has given us. Every believer must get rid of this worldly contentment and passivity of where we are at at the moment. And we need to restore this spiritual, supernatural lifestyle that Jesus paid for on a cross. That's who we're supposed to be. See, we cannot be satisfied with awesome, illustrated sermons, great worship and music, friendly service at church. That can't just be the only things that satisfies us. We have to, we have, we have been called to see the powers of darkness being destroyed. And we actually are called to see lives restored. And not just see it, we need to do it. Come on, we need to do it. That's who we are created to be. See, the prophets of old, in the Old Testament, what have they prophesied? They prophesied that the future, and they spoke into the future, and they said that this generation would reach out and take the kingdom by force. Now, from then until now, we are the history makers. Man, we are the Lord's chosen people, God's mighty men, His holy nation. That is who we are. We cannot miss this in our lives. We were called to make history. Yes, you were made called to make history. No matter who you think you are and how much or less or how much you think about yourself, you are called to make history. Now, most of the famous leaders and presidents of our age were remembered for one thing. And all of them were remembered for what they did. Not what they did not do. You see, religion has kept the church and so many Christians away from the history God intended to write through them. And so many Christians are stuck in mediocre lifestyles because they are blinded by this one thing called religion. Now, now let me ask you, how do we summarize religion? If I talk about religion, we all know it so many times. I mean, I've, I've spoke about it. But how can we summarize religion? Now, here's the easy way to summarize religion. Religion to a Christian is like kryptonite is to Superman. <laughs> And we all know what kryptonite did to Superman. It absolutely pacified him, took away all his power. And that's what religion does to Christians. It pacifies us. Now see, through the ages, because of religion, Christians are only guarding a box. And maybe you're thinking, what is this box? This box was used to be called the Ark of the Covenant that hosted the presence of God. But God vacated this box, but yet Christians are still guarding this box because they think that's where the Spirit of God and the presence of God and be hosted. But it's long gone. When Jesus died on that cross, the Spirit, the curtain torn, the Spirit became part of our lives forever. I don't know about you, but man, I don't want to become famous for what I did not do. I want to become famous because of things we did in faith. That the church stood up and grabbed our calling that God has given us. Now, in biblical times, the Pharisees had a, really they had a hard time understanding Jesus and his disciples. Because why? Because they were thinking outside of the box of religion. They were thinking outside of that culture that kept people bound to the law. And, re and religion have reduced that supernatural power of God to a history lesson of a man still nailed to a cross. Religion argues 
how wet we should become when we are baptized. <laughs> Religion argues that how should we or shouldn't we do communion? Religion moved Jesus back into the tomb with people still mourning his death, the death of a savior without power, which is unthinkable. But I believe and proclaim that the 21st century church is busy shaking off that shackles of religion. Come on, I can see that. I see how God is busy shifting and moving something in the last 10 years. We see how God is busy birthing new things in people's hearts. And they are embracing their supernatural destiny of standing up and taking that first step of bringing a kingdom culture to, to a culture that is absolutely ungodly. So during this series, what do we want to do? We want to look, how can we develop a supernatural lifestyle in our walk with God, in your relationship with God? You see, we as believers need to ask and seek that answer to the question. We need to, every day, you need to seek the answer to that question. Lord, how can I develop that supernatural lifestyle that you called me in? How can I live upwards in God? How can I do that? We say, how do we develop that supernatural lifestyle and reach that upward call? Now, for that answer, we have to go back to that first moment that Jesus introduced his disciples to such a lifestyle of living supernaturally. That first time when he called them two by two and said, listen, I'm sending you out. I want to take a holiday and you guys are going to see how the kingdom will advance. <laughs> now, if you go to Luke 9 verse 1 to 6. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two for almost six weeks. But let's read it together. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Isn't that a great scripture? Now if you look at the scripture, there's two things that is important. Two things that, that we can look at to develop such a lifestyle of living upwards for God. Number one is God gave them a commission, not a suggestion. A commission, not a suggestion. Now when Jesus sent his, these disciples out for the first time, he didn't suggest that they go, oh, maybe, maybe it will be good for you to go and maybe you'll get to know each other a bit better and, and maybe, maybe along the way you'll see a miracle or maybe someone will get saved. Or No, 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 Jesus gave them a directive. He gave them an assignment. And you know what? He backed it up with power and authority. How cool is that? That's why Jesus got frustrated afterwards when the disciples still missed it. And he said, man, I can't believe you're still walking in unbelief after I've given you this greatest gift of authority and power. You see, the church cannot afford to fall asleep in this harvest time. I think in the last century, the church has been asleep for so long. But in the last couple of years, last 10, 15 years, we can see something is about to shift. There was moments of revival um, through the generations. But, but I think we are standing in front of the greatest revival of the century. The greatest revival. As a church, we are not supposed to reflect our culture. We are commissioned to transform it. We are commissioned. We are not supposed to reflect this ungodly culture around us. But we are called. Did you know you are called to bring transformation wherever you go? You see, we have a living, abiding, unshakable kingdom that dwells within us, that prosper under all circumstances. 
Isn't that beautiful? Man, I'm, I'm just getting more and more excited as I think about this. You see, we are called to make disciples because of this commission that Jesus has given. And it's like Matthew 28. Matthew 28 verse, verse 19, 18, 19, 20 says, Go and make disciples and teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. You see, God never intended Christianity to be a subculture. Come on, have you ever realized that? That the world is forcing Christianity to become a subculture. And you know what a subculture is? A subculture is a culture that is submissive to a more powerful culture. That is, and that is absolutely nonsense. That a Christian culture, godly kingdom culture, is supposed to be the most powerful culture on earth. And the disciples proved it in the book of Acts. Let me read it to you. Acts 17 verse 6. Paul and Silas was preaching all over. They were, I mean, they were on fire for God. They, they wanted to share the gospel to anyone, everyone they met, wherever they go. And they were staying with a guy called Jason. And then the people in that city got just angry about the change that Paul and Silas brought in. And this is what happened. Acts 17 verse 6. So it says, in a New Living Translation, it says, Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. And they said, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. And now they are here disturbing our city too. I mean, Paul and Silas brought a powerful culture into an ungodly culture and they wrecked havoc. I mean, Christian to be a Christian, and, and, and to be part of the New Covenant Christian is not a subculture. It is the most powerful culture on earth. And we have it in our hand. We carry it in our hearts. And we just need to step up and bring that culture to people. The disciples proved it. They proved that kingdom culture was and still is the most powerful culture. It changes lives. It pushed back darkness. And it is all for us. I want to make a statement. And... And sometimes, for some of you, it might be a shocking statement, but that you know that the cross was only for the old man, not the new man. The new man is supposed to be beyond the cross, doing the greater works of Christ. That's what God has called us to be. The cross was for the sinner to get saved and step over the cross into the glory and the calling that God has for them. Now, number two. Number two, how do we develop a supernatural lifestyle? Number two is we need to think upwards, not downwards. We can't think downwards anymore. The world wants us to think downwards. The world wants to swallow us into a culture that is not godly. But God called us to think upwards. When Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, let me prove this to you. Two by two in Luke 9, he said something very interesting. Let's go there. Luke 9 verse 3 to 6. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, no money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out to the city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Isn't that amazing? Healing everywhere, preaching the gospel, bringing freedom to them. See, Jesus, what did he do? He forced his disciples to look upwards and not what they need to survive this trip. Jesus wanted them to see 
that he had already gave them everything that they needed for survival. You see, we so many times look at the external um, that we forget what God already gave us. Do you know what God has given you? He has given you a kingdom culture to bring to a generation and a culture that is not godly, but that needs it so much. Jesus wanted their attention on giving, not getting. He commissioned them to give, and that was a supernatural lifestyle. See, Jesus knew that if they were, were taking bread and food and money and all those things, they would not have an absolute focus to minister and to bring the kingdom, to bring healing, to bring freedom to others. Now Paul comes in Colossians and he actually proves this. He reiterates what Jesus wanted to prove to the disciples right here. And if you go to Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4, and I'm also reading from New Living Translation, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. Man, isn't that amazing? We are supposed to set our sights on the realities of heaven, not on what the world brings us. Because if you only focus on what the world brings you, and what you need, and all these things, you will be distracted, discouraged, and doubtful. But if you look at the realities of heaven, man, do you know in heaven right now, there is no sick person? In heaven right now, there is no discouraged um, or depressed person? No, there is healed, on fire, free people for God, living in a kingdom in heaven. And that's what God wants our focus on. Now, I want to close today. I know it's not a long sermon today, but... But it's a start to the series that I want to leave something with you so that we can run with it for the next two, three weeks. I want to close with this story. In the days of Moses, God demonstrated his power to Pharaoh. Um, you remember, God gave Moses a staff and he said, throw your staff on the ground and the staff became a snake. Or he said, put your hand in your bosom and he took his hand out and he, he had leprosy on his hand. And when he showed that to Pharaoh, Pharaoh laughed at him and he looked. He called his sorcerers over and said, My sorcerers, my magicians can do this exactly the same. And I did exactly the same. But as he did it, Moses' snake that he had from a staff swallowed all the snakes of the sorcerers. And, but they still didn't believe him. But then God Almighty performed extraordinary miracles so that even the sorcerers, even the magicians in the court of Pharaoh, they said, Listen, this must be God. We cannot perform these miracles. God is busy performing. And we all know that by the ten plagues. Ten mighty miracles to free his nation out of the strongest, mightiest nation on earth at that time. But God was proving himself to say, I'm just letting you know that I'm the God of heaven and earth. And this is my people. Finally, after that ten plagues, Pharaoh was overcome by the power of God and then finally Pharaoh let them go. And I read that story and I realized that just like in the Old Testament, I believe that the Pharaohs of this world is about to let go of our cities. They're about to let go of our nation full of corruption and unrighteousness. 
And God is about to demonstrate His awesome, superior, come on, power, His amazing power throughout the church this year. This is the year. Mark my words, I believe that this is the year where we will see God's presence and power in the church in an exponential way. Are we ready for it? Are you ready for it? Do you want more of it? Are you willing to run with the kingdom of God? You see, we are on the forefront of the greatest revival. And we need to be the history makers that run with this. But there remains a distance. And the distance is this. There's a distance between what, we, what should happen, what we know should happen, and what is busy happen, what will happen at the moment as things looking now. And you know what is the bridge between those distances? The distance is me. The distance is you. The distance between those things is the church of what should happen and what is busy happening. Now see, we are the bridge between history and his story. His story is bringing the kingdom to a, to a world going down in flames. His story, bringing it to a world, changing people from sin and darkness to light and freedom. We are the sons of the prophets. Come on. God has called you. He has called me. He has called the church to be the sons of the prophets, to bring the kingdom to a lost generation. Wherever you go, to live a supernatural lifestyle, and not to step back, but to step forward. And I believe that we cannot disappoint the world that need God's kingdom culture more than ever. And that kingdom will only come through a supernatural lifestyle of believers saying, Lord, I want to live upwards. I want to live in the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to lay my hands on the sick. And I know that they will recover. They will get healed. I want to speak to the dead and say, be raised. And we will see the dead raised. I want to cast out demons. And, and not be a um, demon focused, but being God focused. And wherever I set my foot, the demons just flee. I mean, that is our destiny. That is our call. And that is the call of the church for today. We cannot reflect the culture of this year, this world. We need to transform the culture. We are called to bring transformation wherever we go. And I believe we as a church are part of this call of God. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to stand up with this word. To let this word penetrate your heart and radiate in your heart. So it says, Lord, I don't want to be in a place of contentment and passivity of just where I am. But I want to grow in the kingdom of God. I want to run with it, Lord. I want to run with more that you've given me. Can I pray with you this morning? So let's stand together. I want to pray with us this morning. And, and I trust that the Lord will impart something in your life through this series. And that, that something will be ignited in your heart as we, as we go through this series called Upward Lifestyle. That God will challenge our lifestyle. He will motivate us to step up, to pray for people when you see they're sick to pray for the injured when you see they're struggling, and to trust God for miracles. And I pray, I really pray and trust God that we will hear testimony upon testimony upon testimony of, of, of the church standing up and boldly walking over and start praying for others and trusting God for a miraculous, miraculous change in people's lives. Amen. So Father, we pray for this incredible, I pray for this incredible people this morning. Lord, I thank you for the call your call on our lives, every one of our lives, Lord. And that you've called us um, from the days of Elijah, where the sons of the prophets 
walked and traveled and saw miracles and, and trusted you to change unrighteousness to righteousness, Lord. And that we, as Peter spoke and he prophesied and said that we, this generation, is also the sons of the prophets. And that we are called to step out and see the greater works. See the greater things that Jesus has done on this earth. Father, I pray for boldness in our hearts. Father, I pray for an encouraging spirit of, of Holy Spirit that you will encourage our hearts as we step out and as we, con- as we just bring the kingdom to others that needs it so, so much. So Lord, bless us this week. Bring people on our path so that we can start praying and advance your kingdom by loving others. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.